All right. Well, this morning I want to kick off a brand new series called No Offense. Everybody say No Offense. No Offense. Um, every year around this time, as we start to approach the holidays, I try to do, or we try to do, a little teaching on personal relationships. Because how many know, as much as we love the folks that we eat Thanksgiving with, some of them can just make us crazy. Come on. Right? I mean, the people we love the most and we're closest to, for some reason, they can hurt us the most and we can hurt them. And so we try to do a little teaching on personal relationships every year around this time. And and today we're going to kick off this new series called No Offense. We seem to be living in a day when lots of people are easily offended over lots of things. And now offense is certainly nothing new, but I think the connectedness of technology And the availability of social media has made it easier than ever to be offended by just about anything. Uh, Technology, yes, it's made it easier to interact, but we are starting to interact in unhealthier ways. People say things in an email they would never say in person, right? People send things on a text that just... I mean, they're just mean, they're angry, they're downright rude, and they, they wouldn't say that to you in person, but boy, they are really, really bold behind that phone. Uh, and as that culture has kind of grown into our new normal, I think what happens in the digital world begins to seep into our face-to-face interactions as well. And I guess we could ask two questions as we get started here this morning. We, we could say, are, are people... Uh, more easily offended nowadays. Do you, you think we, we, we kind of got thin skin? We're a little, we're a little overly sensitive. I, I think so. Uh, but we could also say, are, are people just more rude nowadays? Yeah, I think the answer to both of those questions is a resounding yes. And here's the deal. The Bible tells us that we, as the body of Christ, are not to copy the behaviors of the world. We are to live differently. And so in this series, we're going to learn how to do that. Again, the topic of offense is certainly nothing new. There are plenty of scriptures. There are plenty of Bible stories that warn us against the dangers of being offended and how to navigate through those offenses because if we don't navigate through them correctly, they will end up dominating our lives and shipwrecking our faith. So today we're going to go Old Testament. Uh, Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to 1 Samuel 25. Or maybe you've got it on a phone or the YouVersion Bible app. Or you want to follow along on the screen. That is fine as well. 1 Samuel 25 says, There was a man, in verse 2, in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. Say very rich. He's loaded. He has 3,000 sheep. And a thousand goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. So we're starting to get a little description of our family that we're going to talk about today. And I want you to picture this guy, Nabal. On the outside, Nabal is doing pretty well for himself, right? He's loaded. The guy is a fat cat. He is wealthy. He's got a bunch of livestock. He's very well known. And he's got a a wife that is not just wise and precious. She's wise and beautiful. Come on. 
right? And so from the outside, this guy looks like he is doing well, but on the inside, Scripture says he is harsh and he's evil. Not a good description when the Bible says those things about you. Verse 4, when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Basically, this means bless him. David sends ten young men down there. He says, hey, I want you to speak a blessing. I want you to greet Nabal on my behalf. Now, um, let's give it just a little bit of background here. The David in our story is the famous King David. You know, the David and Goliath guy. It's, it's that guy. But he's not yet king in this story. It has been prophesied that, that the kingdom or the throne is his destiny. But right now, David is in a hard place. David is in a difficult place. He's actually running for his life uh, because King Saul wants to kill him. And so he's out and he's hiding in the wilderness. He and his men have been protecting the flock and employees of this guy Nabal while they're out there in the wilderness. And it came time to shear the sheep. And the custom of the day was when sheep shearing time came that the owner of the, the sheep would throw a big feast, a big celebration. So David knew that and he thought, you know what, we've been out here and, and we've been protecting this flock. We've made sure no one stole any of Nabal's sheep. We made sure no one hurt any of his shepherds. We made sure no wild animals killed any of his goat. And I know that goats and I know he's having a big feast. So this would be a good time to just send some guys down there and say, hey, 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 you know, since we've been real good to your people, we're out here in the wilderness. Would, would you mind giving us uh, some vittles, right? Because he's, he's hungry. They want to eat. And uh, so he considers he's done a service for Nabal and, and thinks it'd be fitting for him to ask for some food in return. Now, in this culture, this would have been totally acceptable. So David sends some boys down there, and look at what happens in verse 6. He tells them what to say. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity. Again, he's got plenty. Peace be to you, peace be to your house, peace be to all that you have. Now I've heard that, you're, that you have shearers, and your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while we were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they'll tell you. David say, all your employees, they can verify we've been good to you and your flocks. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants, Again, David's being really humble here to your servants and your son, David. Now, that, that, he's not his natural son, but that's his way of humbling himself before this very prosperous man named Nabal. Now, most reasonable people would have appreciated David's kindness and obliged with some, uh, with some victuals, with some grub, with some food, with some provisions, but not Nabal. Look at verse 10. Look at what Nabal says. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is, who are these flies? What in the world? <laughs> I'm telling you folks, I don't know what to do. I don't know. We, we might have to build a new building. Just, just, just leave the flies here. Just give them the building. Let them have it. But uh, Nabal's like, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? Well, he knew who David was. He knew he was. Everybody knew who David was. He, knew, he knows his dad is Jesse. He knows who David is. What he's doing is he's, he's disrespecting him. He's pre pretending not to know him. And look at verse 11. One down, okay? In the next service, I'll get the other one. Shall I take 
Watch what he says. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for my shears and give it to men who I do not know where they're from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, watch what David says, Every man gird on his sword. <laughs> so every man girded on his sword. David also girded on his sword. He just strapped it on, if you don't know what that means. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Y'all, David is ticked. I know over you city folks in Maryland say he's angry. In West Virginia, we say he's ticked. He's mad. He's hot. He has been disrespected. He looks at his boys. He says, okay, boys, we were nice to them. We were kind to them. We were respectful. We came in humility, but he's disrespected us. He looks at 400 of his posse. He says, gird on your swords. Get on your horses. We are going to pay Nabal a little visit. Verse 14. Now, one of the young men, this is one of Nabal's young men, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent two in one service, y'all. Ask the elders to give me a bonus or something. Um, (laughs) Where was I? I don't even know. Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled him. Nabal disrespected them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accomplished, or as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. Verse 16, they were a wall to us both day and night. So this young man's testifying of what David said. He said, it's like they built a wall around us, Nabal, and and, and protected us. He's, He's talking to Abigail right now, Nabal's wife. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Verse 17. Now, therefore, no one consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel. Everyone say scoundrel. You know, that's a word we don't use a lot. I'm going to bring that back. I'm just going to start bringing that back. He is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. This young guy's like, hey, Abigail, ma'am, we are about to have a fight on our hands because your husband is acting like a fool. Verse 18, what did Abigail do? She made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of uh, roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under the cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me good for evil. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. David, he's, he's on his way down there. He's replaced in this offense in his head that's what we do when we're offended and and David said I'm killing every male in the household family dead servants dead he disrespected me and and I'm killing them all right so this morning we're reading the story of an offended David but let's pause for a moment and talk about an offended Gary that's you Let's talk about an offended Doris. That's your wife. (laughs) All right. As we said in our introduction, offense is just a part of the human condition. 
All of us have been offended many, many times, and we have offended others many, many times. Sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. Sometimes we just don't know even that we offended others. Now, David's first response to being offended is anger. And I bet many of us respond in anger too. That's kind of the first thing that rises up. Somebody says something to hurt us. Someone does something that wounds us. Someone disrespects us. Someone is insensitive to our needs. Someone sides against us. Someone gossips about us. Someone rejects us or excludes us. We could go on and on this morning. But for many of us, our first response to offense is anger. Can we just be honest here because we're just a family of God here this morning. How many would say when when someone offends me, anger rises up in me pretty quickly? Just go ahead and show of hands. Let's just see that. Okay, let's just see that. Now, I'm not sure we can stop that anger because anger is a valid emotion that God gave us. I'm not sure that we could stop that anger, but we can choose not to respond in anger. David's response to his anger was was death. (laughs) That was his response. I'm going to kill somebody. And some of you, y'all, some of y'all like that. Like someone says something to you that makes you mad and and you just go off. He's like, I cannot believe what she said to me. I will rip out her intestines, mix them into my chicken salad, and then feed it to her mama. (laughs) Like you just, you just go from holy, holy, holy to mafia. In, in, in 30s, you ain't even out of the church parking lot yet. And you are scorched earth policy trying to run truck, uh, Chuck Troutwine over on his scooter out there. <laughs> Y'all, uh, part of this week's offering will be to get winter tires for Chuck's scooter. So uh, thank you for your generosity. Number three, y'all. All right. <laughs> please, please, please keep your seat. <laughs> People listening on the radio are like, what is happening in that church? I told you, Martha, they're a cult. he's killing bugs in there and they're all clapping (laughs) hey y'all if you're listening online join us if you're listening on radio next week be here somebody say amen. amen here's the problem with anger rarely and I mean rarely does anger result in anything healthy I know the Bible talks about a righteous anger but let's be honest most of us don't get that kind Right? We get the sinful anger. We get the harmful anger. We got, I'm going to choke someone angry. We don't get, we don't get the righteous anger. So we got to be very, very careful that we don't let our anger bring destruction every time that we are offended. David is deeply offended by a fool named Nabal, but I want you to watch what God does. God sends David the most unlikely counselor. Verse 23. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey fell on her face before David and bowed to the ground. Abigail hears what David is about to do, and instead of something, now listen, I'm just going to pick on the women for a little bit, but every time your husband gets himself in a mess, you want to take a cast iron uh, frying pan and go out there and defend him, and you just make things worse. Okay, I'll move on. And so uh, anyway, instead of getting a frying pan and get out there and say, oh, oh no, he won't to my man. No, 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 she's a, she's a wise woman. And she packs up all this stuff, 200 loaves of bread, freshly baked. (laughs) And she goes out there and she greets David. It says when she saw him, she got off of her donkey. She fell on her face before David and she bowed to the ground. Do you know what she does? 
She doesn't clothe herself with anger. She doesn't clothe herself with pride. She doesn't clothe herself with, oh, no, you don't. She clothes herself with humility. And she approaches David with what the Bible calls a soft answer. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Verse 24, so she fell at his feet and she said, on me, my Lord, on me. Now, she hadn't done anything wrong. But she says, I'll take the blame for my husband's stupidity. <laughs> on me, my Lord, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the word of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel. It's twice now. It's very bad when your own wife's calling you a scoundrel. This scoundrel, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name. His name means fool. That's what it means. And folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Jump down to verse 28. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. What Abigail begins to do is to remind David of his future. Remember, David is destined to be king of Israel. It is a high calling, and Abigail says, David, before you uh, shed innocent, or it wasn't innocent blood, but blood in anger... Think of your future, David. Verse 29. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies. Watch this now. He shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Now, I like this. The pocket of a sling is a reference to when God anointed David to kill Goliath. So in essence, what Abigail was saying is saying, David, remember where God brought you from. Remember what he brought you through. And David, remember that he has a destiny for your life. And right now in this moment, David, you have a choice. You are either going to let this offense rob you of your future or you can let it die right now. You can kill Nabal, but if you do, it will kill your future. Friends, I don't know if we realize how dangerous offense is to us. Many years ago, 20-some years ago, I read a book called The Bait of Satan. And the premise of that book, it's a good book, is that the word offense, if you, if you, if you study that word out, being offended, it is like the bait stuck on a trap that Satan will set for us. And if we go in and we take that bait and we ingest that offense and allow it to become part of our character and who we are, it will rob us of our future. Offense is a prison that holds you in your past. Verse 30, And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good that he's spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. Watch this now, verse 31. Abigail says, David, God is about to do something so incredible in your life. I don't want you to ruin it by acting out in anger. Because when God does what he said he was going to do in your life, look at verse 31. That this offense will be no grief to you. 
nor offensive heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. My, my, my. What a wise woman right here. She has, she has come into David's life and she says, David, one day when you're sitting in the palace instead of hiding in the wilderness, one day when you're feasting at your own table instead of asking a fool for some food, one day the thing that you are so worked up over right now will be no grief to you. She's saying, David, one day this offense will be no big deal. And I just want to tell somebody today, I'm not minimizing what you've been through. I'm not belittling your pain, but there's some people who walk through divorce and that divorce is trying to be Lord over your life. You got to let that thing go. You got to forgive. You got to put that offense at the foot of Jesus because God has a plan for you even after that divorce. Some people... Listen, you've been betrayed, you've been hurt by some people closest to you, and if you hold on to that thing for the rest of your life, you are going to live in the prison of your past. But I want to tell you something today. If you will instead lay it down at the feet of Jesus, if you will instead just lift your hands up and worship God and follow Him and walk with Him, and even when it hurts so bad, you just keep saying, I forgive Him, I forgive Him, I forgive Him. I forgive him. God's got a plan for you. Don't you dare allow the bait of Satan to hold you in the offense and thwart your destiny. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We've all been hurt, church. We've all been hurt. We've all been lied about. We've been accused. Things have been done sometimes by the people who are supposed to love us the most have wounded us deeply. But you got to make a decision. You're going to stay where you are now. Or are you going to trust God with it? When, when you live on a planet with broken people, their broken edges are going to hurt you. And yours are going to hurt them. But again, we can allow that, that that offense to make us prisoners of our past or we can rehearse the goodness of God in our lives and remind ourselves what he's brought us through and remind ourselves where he's taken us to and then you can respond to offense in godliness and not brokenness. Back to our story a minute. What is David? David's a warrior, right? That fighting is what he does. Scripture tells us that, that as a young man he killed a lion, he killed a bear and we know that he killed a giant. David's got his sword strapped to his side. He's ready to respond to enable this fool as a warrior, but, but he's encountered a wise woman with some wide, wise words, and he, he listens to her. Look at verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me. David looks at Abigail and he says, Abby, you may have come riding on a donkey, but it was God who sent you my way. And he goes on to say, and I just want you to see verse 35. It's a key verse. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. Watch this now. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Church, when we are offended, we need a person that we respect to help talk us through the offense and give us some wisdom on how to respond to it. 
I've been pastoring for almost 25 years now, and I have found that very few people, very few, have a voice in their lives that they will heed and respect. Very few. And many people never reach their full potential in Christ because there is no one that is allowed to speak into their lives. No one ever gets to push back on them. No one ever gets to give them a different perspective. No one ever gets to tell them they're wrong. You know, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Good morning. No one ever needs, gets to give them the, the wise counsel that they'll actually heed. Friends, I urge you to have somebody in your life that you respect enough to open yourselves up to their voice. I remember going to preach at a church a number of years ago. And this pastor of the church, he was a friend of mine. But I went and I preached at this church and the experience wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. I left there feeling very disrespected. And I was, I was ready to end the friendship. I was done. I, never again. Never again. I'm not going back. I'm, I'm done with him. Treated me, treated me bad. And so all the way home, I'm like David, <laughs> rehearsing that offense, replay. Anybody got, got an instant replay? The machine just lives right up in here. That's what we do with offense, right? And, and I'm just rehearsing that offense, going over, going over, going over, going over. Going over. Driving all the way home, had trouble falling asleep that night. I thought, well, by, by Monday morning when I wake up, you know, I, maybe my emotions will go, have died down. Wrong. No, I could still, it was perfect right there in color, brothers, sisters. It was in color. I could slow it down. I could speed it up. I, could, I mean, I'm just running that film over and over and over again. And about the 1400th time I was going over that, that, that film, my phone rang. It was my, fr my other friend, Pastor Robert. And he knew I was going to be preaching at that church the day before. He said, hey, how did it go down there? I said, oh, wrong question. Wrong question. And so I proceeded to tell him how disrespected I was. And I was going to end this friendship. And I'm just venting to Pastor Robert. I'm just venting to Pastor Robert. And I notice he's quiet. Oh, this ain't good. If Pastor Robert gets quiet, it ain't good. He let me finish. And then he began to transform to an Abigail in my life. He began to push back on the narrative that I had run through my head 1,400 times. He began to remind me of what a long friendship I had had with this other pastor. Began to remind me of what a blessing this other church had been to our church. And began to rehearse the goodness of God and how good God had been to us and what God had provided for us. And he just began to go over these things and over these things and over these things. And as I'm listening to him, I had a choice. I could get mad. I could defend myself. I could hold on to my offense and pet it and, and treat it like it's precious. Or I could let it die. But because I've asked him to be that voice in my life, then my heart was open to hear what he had to say. And I let that offense die right there in my office. And to this day, I'm great friends with that pastor that hurt me and offended me and all that stuff. I'm thankful that he's still in my life. Church, you're not going to be able to avoid being offended in this world. All of us, we're going to be hurt. It's just, it's just a part of it. But you've got to have a voice. You've got to have someone. Now listen. Hear me clearly. 
you don't need six voices. Because when you tell one person, you're, you're looking for some advice, you're looking for counsel. When you tell six, you just want to gossip. Oh, that's good preaching. I don't care what you say. You don't need six. You don't need 16. You don't need Facebook. You don't need to tweet about it. You need a voice. You need a trusted person who you've given permission to speak into your life. And I, I guess that's really my advice today is that if you're dealing with an offense, let, let a person, a godly person in there with you. Let them help you walk through that thing. Let them help you process that thing. There are two men in our story today. One of them, you remember, what it, you remember one of the things that was said about the scoundrel? That no one could speak to him. That's what it said. No one could speak to him. And if you read the rest of the story, he ends up dead. The other guy humbles himself, allows a woman on a donkey to be the voice of God in that moment, and he ends up king. The difference was he let someone speak into his life. Would you stand with us today? And we're going to take about five minutes. And we're just going to worship. As we worship, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with God. If there's an offense that you're holding on to, again, I'm not minimizing it. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying that you deserved it. I'm not saying any of those things, okay? And we're going to, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. This is not the only part in this series. But I just want to start the series today because I want the Holy Spirit to just begin working in us. If there's an offense that you're holding on to, if there's bitterness, if there's unforgiveness, I want to invite you. You can pray in your seat. You can come to the altar. You can do whatever you want to do. But I want to invite you just to give that to the Lord. Don't, don't just rehearse it again, but say, God, today I want to be free of it. I don't want to carry this around for the rest of my life. I don't need the weight. I don't want to be locked into a, a, the prison of my past. I want to be free. I want to walk on to my destiny. I don't want to take the bait of Satan. I want, to, I, want to, I want to get the fruit of the Spirit. I want love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness, all those things flowing in my life, God. Let's pray. Father, here we are, your people, a broken people that is often wounded and we often wound others. God, I pray that for somebody, for a few somebodies, for, for, for some folks in our church this morning, God, that they don't have to they don't have to drag up an old memory because this thing, it weighs on them. It lays heavy on them all the time. God, I pray this morning that as an act of their will, you would help them, God. Release those who have wronged them. Release the burden of this offense. And you would begin a work here. And over these next few weeks, God, you would work throughout our congregation that we could be free.